Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today is the day you will lose fat. Come see Dr. T at NJ Diet. Easiest diet I've ever done. It's changed my life. Come see Dr. T. Using blood work and DNA testing. 1-855-5-NJ-DIET and njdiet.com. Change your life in only 40 days with NJ Diet. MC, A-War, just released his latest album, The Spoils of War, uh, featuring Cormega, Styles P, Scarface, uh, and many others, uh, produced by a freaking all-star class. It's an amazing album. Uh, with that, I want to welcome A-War to the Library with Tim Reineke. Thanks, man, for joining Yo, me. Thank you, Tim. Much appreciated, man. Cool. So I want to start with your uh, early, early work, 2005, uh, Glory Days. Um, can you just quickly take us into that project? Where were you mentally? Where were you in your life at this time? But also, like looking back at that album, what was your goal or mission in with your art, but also in hip hop and hip hop culture? Okay, um, yeah, that was like I said, my first project, uh, two thousand five. I was right out of college. Um, I grew up in upstate New York. Ended up going to college at Fordham University, which is in the Bronx, and um, kind of it's it's a prestigious school, but I wasn't focused on uh, scholastics at that point. Um, I kind of wanted to get away from upstate and kind of experience the, the, the melting pot that is New York and go to, you know, the shows and the ciphers and, and all that. And I did that. Um, met, met a lot of uh, guys who were underground at the time and who are well-known MCs now. Um, but, you know, in the process, I had linked up with a producer engineer by the name of J.J. Brown, um, who did a lot of work with Lewis Logic, um, did some stuff on Mr. Cheek's album, um, and he was, you know, kind of popping independently at that time. And, uh, you know, I would take the train from the Bronx to Brooklyn and, uh, and knock out tracks. Uh, that was kind of, it wasn't my first time in the studio, but it was my first time being, like, professionally mixed and whatnot um so that that project probably took me you know a couple years to put together i was really just reaching out to different producers that you know i thought would fit my sound that weren't well known at the time um one of which was m phases who um amazing australian producer and he was just you know kind of posting his beats on i think underground hip-hop forums at the time 
So I was lucky enough to get like five or six joints from him before anybody really knew who he was. Um, I also linked up with uh, a guy who I still work with to this day by the name of Vanderslice, who uh, produced the intro to the album and did some interludes and stuff like that. And uh, some other guys who I don't really work with anymore, but who are, you know, a talented cast. And then guest-wise, um, I had um, become a part of, I guess, a crew, you would say, in New York called the Fallen Angels. Um, so my man Diabolic was on there. Um, Icon, the Mike King, Manifest, those guys were all like members of, of that crew. And uh, Poison Pen, who was like an extended family member at that point as well, he was on that album. So that was just, you know, kind of me filling out different different records and how to become an MC. I was already, you know, kind of uh, lyrical, but I was still trying to find, you know, my uh, how far I could take it. Uh, I, I want to go back a little. You, you, you talked about leaving upstate New York, you know, the Albany area. area mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lump all of everything that every city or town in Albany, but you, today, right, you have sure. a big push by Buffalo, New York. Sure. And you got, you know, Benny the Griselda. Butcher. Yeah, Griselda's making a big push. Guns and Conway, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what's What was the hip-hop scene in Albany at that time before you went to college? Uh, uh, before I went to college, I think it was close to non-existent, although there was a lot of uh, DJs um, who had great shows at the time that I was kind of just dubbing tapes of their shows. Um one of which was uh, DJ Toast, who had a show for I don't know about twenty years, and was kind enough to, you know, bring me up as a as a guest when I was still in high school, and had just put together, I guess, an unofficial project with you know, basically over other people's beats and and things like that. But I guess he saw something in me that, um, you know, uh, he put me on his show. Uh, the scene, as far as shows, I mean, that was before I could even drink, so I don't know if right. there was much going on um, show-wise. Uh, probably one of the older elder statesmen of uh, the Albany scene would be uh, a guy by the name of Sev Static, who uh, um, was real big in the Christian hip-hop world, but uh, just a real good dude, true, true hip-hop head, and he was putting together shows. I also linked up with um, some guys uh, by the name of Desmatic and Sween, um, they were in a group called Fundamentals, and they were doing a lot of shows. So we kind of built the scene with maybe 10 different artists um, where we were just kind of rotating the cast and doing you know, pretty much every local venue, um, opening shows for bigger acts that would come through town. And uh, ultimately, it became a bigger movement. Um, we put together something that was called Pitch Control Music, and it was just like kind of a network of artists who are doing shows and putting together projects and, you know, seeing if one guy can help with artwork and one guy can help with videos and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, a young scene, but it developed into something that's uh, that's still existent today. It's not, you know, as popping as Buffalo as yeah. far as having, you know, those artists that you just immediately think of, they're from, you know, Albany yeah. or whatever. But, you know, it's definitely an ex existent scene. So who were your, I mean, at this time, who were your, I guess, who were you looking out to? Who, like what, what what artists or even producers were your kind of mentors or even, you know? I'll say it's, it's, it's a combination of both because when I started out, and this kind of goes back to your first question, um, I guess my goal at the time was to be like 
on Lyricist Lounge and right, right. Eddie Ill and DL tapes and like just you know these these kind of more obscure on independent or underground hip hop things that you know those were my aspirations back then. I was like, yo, these dudes, you know, rap kind of like me and you know they're creative and they use wordplay and they're doing concepts and the beat selection's crazy. But you know, at the same time, when I was going through high school, heads like Biggie and Nas and Wu Tang and you know all those guys were coming out and Lord Finesse and Ditc and you know the list goes on. But um, so you know, I guess that would be a more even though it was you know still underground, that would be more of a mainstream kind of uh, uh, influence on me. Um, so I, I think that. You know, both those worlds kind of merged later on in my career, but I was listening to, you know, both of them. Mm. Um, I'm going to go to a, an older track before we get into your new album, and it's uh, Stand Out featuring Joe Budden. Um, the, the beat is dope, and you just, you kill it. Uh, it's, Thank you. It's incredible to listen to, and it still holds, I know it's an older track, but today, you know, you're still listening, it still holds true today. Um, how, when you get a beat like that, mm-hmm. As a lyricist, how do you how do you kind of ensure that you're you're going to do justice to this beat and not like not fuck it up? <laughs> so, you know, so to say, like, yeah. is there extra pressure you're putting on yourself when you get a kind of a beat like that? Yeah, I think with and if you already know who's going to be on the joint, that might be even more pressure. But um, you know, kind of my process at this point is um, I'll write the. I'll write the joint and have it ready to go, but I have a great support system and just, you know, a a go-to producer and a go-to engineer. And if they feel like something's not up to par, they're not yes men. So they kind of tell me, you know, maybe you should go back to the drawing board. And that doesn't happen very frequently, um, but it does happen. And that beat, I think, originally was a little bit different than what it was. And, uh, you know, M phases had to, I I think he lost the files or something like that and had to recreate it. So that joint, you know, ended up being different than when I originally recorded it. But, um, yeah, I would say mostly the support system of just having somebody who will be like, you know, that's not right. Do it again. Or, you know, uh, I've been on tracks with some really great MCs. So, you know, if if my verse is not up to par, uh, you know, somebody's going to tell me before I put it out, most likely. Did you know Joe Budden was going to be on this track prior to it? or It's been a while since I recorded that <laughs> joint, but uh, I think usually, usually before I'll ask a guest to get on a joint, I'll at least have the first verse written. Sometimes I'll have it, you know, recorded so I can send it over to an artist. So yeah, so... Uh, I think in that occasion, it's been a while, like I said, but I think that I had at least the first joint or the first verse and probably the hook written before I sent it over to him. Okay, your new album, The Spoils of War. Uh, great name for an album. Thank you. Great cover. Um, what does this title mean for you and how does it kind of pertain to your art? Okay. Um, conceptually, The Spoils of War is kind of like you feel like you've been through it all and you're coming out winning on the other side so you know all these challenges in life and as an artist kind of uh culminate into the spoils of war so um you know conceptually i've always kind of tried to keep kind of a string of concept going to my album or my project titles um so my uh i put out three projects that all had nature in the title uh 
the first one was things of that nature ep and then there was nature of the beast which was kind of like an album 10 10 joint album and then my retail i consider it my retail debut which was laws of nature which came out in 2012 so titles have always been just kind of a thing where I wanted to make it, you know, philosophical, right. open-ended, you know, kind of leave the listener thinking, well, you know, I'm going to have to actually listen to this thing to, to understand, you know, what the concept so title, means. Sorry to cut you off, but titles, during the, the creation process, do titles come first for you then, or is it depending on... So, somewhere in, in, in the process of making the project, I wouldn't say I'd open up with a title, um, but I probably had three or four records done before I decided what the title oh, of this okay. was. Um yeah, some of the records are older than others, so I, you know, I definitely had Forty Five Soul done before I uh, decided what the album yeah. title was. Uh, you know, there's a you I, prior to our interview, I was telling you like the the, the producers on this album, all it's like an all star cast, right? It's like Jake Wan, Lloyd Finesse, Haslow, Static Selecta, Knots, The Alchemist, you know, many more. Um, how, how and this kind of brings I think back to what you were talking about earlier with just meeting people. Like how how are you? How were you able to connect with all these producers? And also, what are you looking for? Probably depends on the project, but what are you looking for in a producer? Mm, okay. Um, all right. Well, it's various things. So uh, you know, I'm like I said before, I'm blessed to work with a producer who's super talented who you know, is connected to other producers and talks to a lot of them. So, you know, Vanderslice definitely uh, hooked me up initially, I think, with uh, with Jake One, um, which is how we formed that relationship. But he did three or four records on Laws of Nature. And, you know, that's a guy who can, you know, pop up on a Drake or Kendrick Lamar record. Right. But he also, you know, is really good at still keeping his name out there in the independent scene and finding artists who, you know, kind of rise up, I think, Chance the Rapper was pretty much unknown when he, uh, you know, he did some joints on uh, Acid Rap, I think was the name of the project. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Jake has just been in the game for 15 years, and, and I would say, you know, somebody like Knotts is very similar in that regard where, you know, he he's done Grammy-winning projects, but he still is able to, you know, find the right independent artist to work with to keep his name out there and keep good music going out there. Um, not to somebody who I've had a relationship with since uh, Laws of Nature as well. I put out that project through his imprint, Raw Concept, and um, you know he's been instrumental in helping me link up with some other artists as well. Um, as far as Lord Finesse and Showbiz, that was my first time working with both of them on this right. project. Um, the story for that is kind of, I was at DJ Eclipse's 15th anniversary of the halftime show Nice. Um, so there was just a bunch of MCs and producers there. Um, I think, you know, there was probably four or five different producers playing beats. And, you know, when I was done spitting, I walked out and Lord Finesse and I think Buck Wild were standing there. And so I handed them both a copy of my album because I wasn't expecting them to be, uh, you know, aware of me. And uh, Finesse turned it right around, looked at the track list and saw the producers on there. He's like, damn, I need to get on the next one or whatever. Wow, that's awesome. So, uh, you know, about a month or two later, uh, my man Parks, who's actually on Joe Button's podcast, um, he was doing some engineering for me at DITC, uh, DJ Premier Studio for a while. He called me and said, you know, show and uh, Finesse want to play you some beats. And uh happened to be my birthday, went through, listened to some beats for like, 
I mean, that was three hours. Day. No, it was, it was it was amazing. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how those uh, those joints came about, um, as well as uh, there's a joint on there called Day One, which is produced by Jay Clyde and Develbo McKenzie, who are you know friends and and work within a group called Boss Man with Lord Finesse. So Lord Finesse is doing a lot of exciting stuff on on the production tip, and you're talking about a guy who's you know done so many legendary things right, but yeah. you know he's still so sharp and on the cutting edge as far as production goes um and then alchemist i mean alchemist uh i've had done five or six records with and i think he works with people in different ways but um he was cool with vanderslice had sent some records through and uh i kind of like broke the beat up, the beats up into different projects over the years um ultimately i'd like to get in the lab with him in, in California and, you know, knock out a, a full project. But, you know, shout out to Alchemist. He's given me some, you know, That's amazing joints. Uh, the, the, the track, uh, Paper Chasing, I think one of my favorite on the album. Um, if you could just, I'm be a nerd here, but if you could just, like, talk about that track, kind of, you know, break it down. And also, I, there's so many I, gems, I think, on that track. Mm. If you could kind of just, like, Take one verse and just explain it. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, the joint is very, you know, soulful, bluesy. It's got a lot of energy in it. And I, I have a singer on there by the name of Shatish who works with Knott's Camp and sounds like she's like, you know, a 50-year-old singer from right. the yeah. Deep South. She's not. She's much younger than that. <laughs> but she's got, you know, just that, you know, uh, you you don't get that kind of uh, soulfulness on a lot of hip hop songs these days, but you know, at the same time, uh, the joint is just really about, and it kind of goes ties into the spoils of war record where it's just like um, motivational, uh, motivational for, for the hustling, the hustlers out there. So, um, all right. So I'm just going to, I'm gonna say the first verse is probably you know the one I would focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say uh, sophisticated G's gifted and arson. Sophisticated G's we're we're not like we're not the regular type of dudes. We set shit on fire basically. Gliding in V's with hidden compartments. Gliding in V's that's vehicles. They got hidden compartments. We're talking about hustler shit, but it's like sneaky hustler shit. Not not every hustler would, you know, be able to pull that off. Gliding in V's with hidden compartments. Okay, that goes that goes back to uh stainless steel. Uh that goes back to the you know, the hidden hidden in the trunk, hidden compartment. And then uh I'm basically saying uh it's it's so thick it's stainless steel that the, the, the police dogs can't smell whatever's in there. Okay, you can stop it there. Um, yeah, so that f- the whole first like six six bars, I'm just kind of setting the scenery where you know it's a hustler. We got a hidden compartment. We're gliding around, and then we transition to the rappers because you know we're we're trying to set the difference between this is this is gentleman G shit. And then you guys are just, you know, rappers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, 
No, it's great. It's a, it's a, it's a, you listen. I I was listening to the album this morning on the train ride, and then I this was a song that I listened to, and then I like I I, I played it again because it was just like it just tells a story mm-hmm. really well done, and and then also the the singing behind it is you know incredible. But it's like one of those things that have it's a great beat. It's a simple beat, not simple as in like easy to make, but simple. Mm-hmm. And then your voice kind of really makes that. I'll be cheesy, but a home run, so to say, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, and with most of these joints, I mean, paper chasing is, you know, kind of a straightforward concept, but there's a lot of different things to talk about that. And then I think somewhere in the second verse, towards the end, you know, we're talking about, you know, the impact. I would never glorify, you know, the street life. So, you know, there's, you know, people getting hit by bullets that have nothing to do with this, innocent bystanders. So, you know, it's kind of, I try to make my concepts realistic and they might not be directly from first person standpoint, but everything kind of comes together to form a story. Raekwon's featured on uh, well-known investors and you listen to it and there's a lot of back and forth going on between you two. Uh, I guess, does that mean you two were in the same studio together? How did, <laughs> how did that come about? Uh, that was a science project of a song. Really, I had that. Uh, uh, I had that verse from Ray. Ultimately, uh, I was dealing with uh, his brother, and uh, he sent me over the verse, and it was actually over a different beat. And the beat was a Jake One beat, and it was kind of difficult. It was broken up in a weird way, and I was like, "Man, I, I don't know if this just isn't sounding right to me." It's one of those, you know harder projects or harder songs to kind of see where it fits. Um, so like I said, it was a science project. I, I, Hoslow is a very good friend of mine. He's a, a, a really good MC and, and uh, producer. So I knew with him, he kind of knows how to recreate things. So, you know, I, I sent him over the verse and I was like, see if you can come up with something that I can rap to. Um, that'll work with this and once he sent me over the beat I probably wrote my first verse in like 20 minutes and then we kind of started picking apart Ray's lines putting them in certain places and I wrote around his stuff so uh, that's probably the only joint I've ever done like that that's come out on an official project where I was like initially I was like man you know this is Raekwon we can't the song has to be good. Right, right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, um, and I didn't want to scrap it because I got a verse from Raekwon. But, uh, you know, instead we kind of took it to formulate this whole story and everything he was saying was like so obscure and detailed that it made it easier in a way um, to kind of bounce off of him. And, you know, I like working with uh, artists in that way where, you know, like Haas Lowe, for example, he's he's an MC too. And, you know, if we get in the studio together, I'll do two bars. He does two bars. It's really easy, you know, kind of in the same chemistry that Styles and Jada have um, to kind of work that way. But when you already have a whole verse there, it's kind of, it's a little bit you know, right. dicier. Definitely. Throughout this album, you mentioned a few times, you talk about the birth of your daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously this album was written or created prior to the birth of your daughter. Um how has, if at all, I mean, has has your your purpose or your writing changed since she's been born? Uh, I mean, is it one of those things that maybe she's too young right? I mean, obviously, she's too young right now to 
understand what you're saying, and but are you already seeing that you're maybe changing concepts or storytelling or you know? Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, there's there's songs on on earlier projects where I probably wouldn't even want her to to hear that later on in life. <laughs> um, you know, just more violent stuff, orange box cutter stuff like that. But um, it hasn't completely completely turned me soft either. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of gems that I could provide for her along the way. Um, just as I'm speaking with music, and music's such a personal thing that you know I try to put little pieces of of my life in there, and uh, you know hopefully uh, hopefully she likes my music. She seems super super musical for nine months old. Um, she's spitting and stuff. Nice. Yeah, she's, you know, she's she's already got more rhythm than I do. <laughs> nice. Her mother's Dominican, so she's uh, you know she's she's got that down. Um, sing a lot of songs to her and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, uh, I come from a musical family, and you know hopefully she'll appreciate that later on in life. Um, conceptually, I mean, there's there's stuff that um, I've said. Before I knew about the birth of my daughter, uh, I have a song called Reincarnation where I'm talking about, you know, I'm leaving, leaving a lot of my bad ways or evil ways in the past and trying to become a better person. And, uh, you know, I think as my music evolves, it becomes more grown. And, uh, you know, hopefully people see the growth and hear the growth in, in each project. Um, the, the track Me Against the World. Uh couple of things you reference Tupac mm -hmm. uh, you reference his album against all odds mm -hmm. and then of course me against the world is the name of a Tupac track sure uh, is this an ode to Tupac and if not it could, uh, how has Tupac kind of influenced you as an artist yeah that was uh, I mean the whole track isn't uh, an ode to Tupac but I definitely uh, needed to you know give him some kind of light in that track so there's definitely uh, a line or two in there uh dedicated to him um i kind of came up in you know the east coast early 90s thing so i was definitely riding with biggie when there was the whole you know east coast west coast thing but i think that somebody like tupac was uh underappreciated as far as like conceptually um the machiavelli album in particular like was probably the first body of work where I was like you know this guy not only was he extremely poetic and and uh ruthless um more so than most other artists but you know that album came out after he passed away right yeah I think so. yeah. yeah and he was just saying things that were just so poignant and and uh that really kind of made me a fan um of course there was like singles and stuff like that that you know, I was hip to prior to that, but like I said, my East Coast bias was probably, you know, earlier earlier in high school. I was like, you know, Tupac is, you know, he's he's dope, but he's not, you know, he's not Biggie. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> uh, Brick like '86 features uh, Jadakiss and Styles P. Yeah. Uh, can you just talk about that collaboration process and what was? I mean, you work with all these artists, right? So, like, mm -hmm. for these two artists, what kind did you take away? From even if you weren't in the studio with them, but like, what did you take away from their styles, or you know, hearing them on a track with yourself? Yeah, um, I, I was I was lucky to have uh, a mutual acquaintance uh, to Styles P, who uh, I won't say who he is, but he ran a pretty successful record label for a while, and uh, 
linked me up with with Styles, and we just started texting. And um, ultimately, I had uh, not only that joint, but also a, a joint that Vanderslice wanted on his record to protect, uh, to to give to Styles. So I sent through a couple joints, and uh, it was probably a month or two later where he just called me and said, "Yo, come through to the Juice Bar up in Yonkers." Um, you know, this joint's about to be done or whatever. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Vanderslice and I went up to his juice bar, Juices for Life, up in Yonkers. Um, just kicked it with him, you know, smoked smoked weed for like eight hours outside the back of that place. <laughs> and then uh, Poobs came back from Canada and he said, we're going over to D-Block. And uh, I threw the track on and it was, uh, it was, it was a masterpiece. So... Uh, uh, that track in particular, he actually didn't knock out the Vanderslice joint then. Um, so, you know, maybe three or four months later, he's like, I still got you on the Vanderslice thing. And just just like that, he sent through another verse um, for a joint that I'm on that's not out yet as well. Um, so, you know, Styles is true gentleman, um, you know, an OG for sure. And I, I, I really respect what he's doing as far as... Um, uh, educating uh, the minority crowd on better healthy lifestyle and uh, I think he also had some really um, insightful things to say um, uh, his daughter had committed suicide at I don't know it was a couple of years ago and uh, him and his wife kind of both uh, were doing interviews about you know suicide awareness and, and things like that so I definitely took a lot of that game and just soaked up, you know, kind of the way he looks at life. And, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, Styles is definitely one of my bigger influences as far as just people in, yeah. in the hip-hop world. Oh, another thing I want to say about Styles, the, the conversation we have with, with, uh, with Styles is um, it's not just the minority community because my man Vanderslice at the time was probably, I don't want to say what his weight was, but he was extremely overweight. And the first thing Styles said to him is, you know, get out, you walk out of your house in the morning, walk down to the stop sign, walk back. That could be it for the day. Next day, you go down to the second stop sign, you walk back. You know, he just wants to see people, you know, yeah. do well and, and be healthy. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Vanderslice a couple times, but, um, you know, after he dropped his album and before I dropped mine, these last projects, his album's called The, the Greatest Album Money Can Buy. Um, he had a heart attack and he actually he had hit me up an hour beforehand. He's like, I don't feel right. He's like, I'm either going to go to try to sleep it off or uh, call an ambulance. I'm like, oh, wow. you know, dude, please, please call the ambulance. We called the ambulance and uh, while I guess they had his chest open, um, he flatlined for, I don't know exactly how long, but wow. he, had me, he had texted me through this process and he's like, yeah, I just awoke from a deep sleep. I was dead. They hit Holy me with shit. hit me with the paddles, and and I'm you know back awake. So, you know, I think after that, and you can tell somebody who, you know, regardless of what your your issue is, whether it be you know weight or it be drugs or alcohol or you know any kind of addiction, or um, you can tell them about it. But until they actually have that life changing experience, a lot of the time. You know, they might just take it with a grain of salt or not be able to, you know, make that immediate change. Um, so, you know, he's definitely making strides for it. And I'll say, you know, Styles P was one of those dudes who's not like afraid to, 
you know, be like, listen, this is this is what it is. We we need you around. You're an amazing producer. Uh, the last track on the album, I think think the last track goes into perfectly what you just talked about. Um, Forty Five Soul with mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Hamilton and Scarface. I mean, obviously two incredible artists. Uh, not to use the word soul again, but it's definitely soulful, mm-hmm. heartfelt track. Um, why is it called Forty Five Soul? But also, why are we? Why are you leaving the listener with? Uh, on this album with this track Mm. Uh, 45 soul was actually the name of the beat when I first received it but it came off of a rare 7 inch single and just the vibe of it kind of reminds me of um, you know those days when vinyl was super super important to me Um, so uh, I just thought it was a great title Um, and you know, the way that collaboration came about was uh, Knotts has done some work with Scarface in the past on his albums, and I got a call from Daryl, his uh, his longtime manager, partner, and I uh, said, Scarface is in town. He's going to be here. Try to book a session within the next couple hours. So, you know, I called around. Luckily, I was able to hit up Parks and uh, uh, secure DJ Premier's studio, and uh and scarface pulled up with dj khaled and a maybach <laughs> and khaled gave me like this you know crazy speech in the elevator and uh face came in and made me spit my verse for him and uh knocked out his in like half an hour and it was it was an incredible experience um anthony hamilton was not on that record yet it was just the two verses and i sent it back over to to daryl Knott's manager, and the next day I got an, another email that had Anthony Hamilton hook on it, and it was like somebody had just like sent me a Grammy via email yeah, or something like amazing, that, which yeah. was which was nuts. So I had that record before I had any of the rest of the album, and I'm like, you know, I need to build an album around this record. At first, I was just gonna not do like a soulful EP. Um, I had other records that were soulful on uh, Vanderslice, and I did a joint record called Winning Team that came out. 2014 i had other records that i probably could have used for that and just get it out there and i was holding on to this record for four years or so um and i always thought it was going to be like you know the center point of the album and then you know as you create music and you hear you know the sequencing is so important um once i came to the sequencing stage i'm like yeah this record doesn't fit anywhere except the end and i had the intro to the album which was called the title track spoils a war um produced by jake one that was actually going to be the outro and i made that the intro and kind of you know put 45 soul at the end there and i'm like are people going to listen to this all the way to the end and to hear this record and you know a couple people that i had asked or fellow artists was like yeah they're they're going to make it to that record whether they skip through it or or not they're going to they're going to hear that record so because I saw the record and it, you know you see Scarface and Anthony Hamilton and, and automatically for me, I think of uh, when they did the join on the Mary Ben Ari's album Sunshine to the Rain, mm. which is uh, and I'm like oh and and and, and you're like if they do anything they did you know on that it's going to be an incredible record and sure uh, and you you know and you you have the you're you have the voice to you know that to stay with them and you have the lyricism as well to stay with them so. I mean, it's a great, it's a great record to end with. Um, I agree. It works. I mean, it works perfectly. Thank you. Um, 
So what's next? I mean, what's 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 next? For, I don't want to be that guy that says, "Hey, you just released the album. Where's the new one?" Um, right. But what is kind of what's next? For you? Um, I shot a, a bunch of visuals for this record, and uh, I've done that in the past as well. But I kind of held on to a lot of the visuals for because this is the first time I've dropped an album towards the end of the year. Usually, I'm like somewhere in the spring or summer, and I'll put out a video or two, you know, before the record drops and the day it drops, and you know, maybe a couple afterwards. And this, you know, the climate of the game right now is just so, you know, it's hard to get attention span. Um, your record's out one day and then it dies the next. And, you know, that's unfortunate. There's so many great records. And 2018 was such a, a strong year for hip-hop that it's easy to, you know, just fall under the radar. So, um, you know, this, this time around I wanted to make sure that I had enough visuals and I can keep on hitting them in the early stage of the of the year and remind them that this record is still still out there and I haven't even toured it yet. So, you know, hopefully I can I, I can line up some stuff uh, for the springtime as far as shows go. Um, I'm also working on a project with Vanderslice that he's rapping on with me as well and doing a lot of the beats. Nice. Um, uh, I don't know if the title will stick, but uh, he wanted to call it Almost the Chronic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so we have we have some records for that done. Um, you know, just starting to, starting to put together my next solo rec- record, and uh, might also do you know a joint album or a joint project with with my man Hoslow. And then because of this attention span thing, and because uh, the game is not so much about uh, well, it still is about the physical thing, but it's also becoming such a streaming base market i don't want to just disappear for two or three years between records so you know maybe as i'm recording new material i'm just going to start dropping singles or eps and stuff like that so that's kind of what what i'm looking at just staying out there not not uh chasing uh trying to stay relevant but um making music as as my uh as my life goes on. A new album, The Spoils of War, uh, artist, Awar. Thank you so much for being in the library with Tim Kelman. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.